When they got to that part in that song, he's coming in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. As all Pentecostals who are expecting his coming, we just can hardly contain ourselves. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's what it's all about. He is coming. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, that's great. That choir is all right. Amen, amen. Now, our good black sister, who always got blessed in every service, there wasn't a service that she didn't get a real blessing in, was asked one time, how in the world do you get blessed in every service? And she said, I just sit loose. Amen. Praise God. Some of you need to sit a little looser. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I talked to you a little bit last night about the Lord coming in very unobtrusively. But he's here with all the trumpets playing tonight. Amen. And that's what makes every service what it needs to be is he works in so many different ways. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now the Lord is here. There's no denying that. But well, you say, we've settled down. We're not shouting now. The Lord is here in no less manner than he was a few minutes ago when the choir was singing. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's we that change, not him. If he's here at all, he's here in the same power as he had on the day of Pentecost. Because in him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we Pentecostals have to learn over and over again is that when the move of demonstration stops, it's not all over. Amen. I like those services when we don't have any preaching. But when we settle down to preaching, that doesn't mean that he's gone. No. Hallelujah. Woo. Now, the way I'm feeling now, I could just take off and skip all around this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, yeah, but I'm going to preach. Amen. Because I know he's here. Amen. And I know you've come for some preaching. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Now, I had not planned to go in this direction. And for obvious reasons, as you will soon find out, you will understand. But God has just definitely impressed upon me to lay aside all the obvious reasons and... Uh, 
preach to you this message. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I know that uh, some time ago I was asked to write an article for one of our district papers. And I thought that when I finished the article, and I'm not a writer, by a lot of struggle I finished it and sent it in. I thought it was only going to go in that one district paper. But I soon found out that our district editors have a club and that when one district editor needs some filler, he might, uh, by permission, reprint an article from another district paper. So for a while, a lot of district papers needed some filler. And I began to see the article that I had written for one district paper appearing in a number of district papers. Now, I don't mind your having read the article. I just wanted you to know that I knew you could have read it. Amen. In fact, it's a message that I have to preach to myself over and over again, and you'll soon understand why. This is a message that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's going to satisfy my own needs. And whether you have read it or heard it, it makes little difference to me. Because I want to preach it to you tonight. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter and the 8th verse. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Now there seems to be a lot of uncertain sounds in this day. But let me tell you, friend, if there are uncertain sounds, there has to be a certain sound. For there could not be an opposite if there was not a true. Just like you can't have a counterfeit if you don't have a genuine. You can't have false prophets if you don't have some true prophets. And you can't have a certain sound or an uncertain sound if you don't have a certain sound. And I believe with all of my heart in this day of bewilderment and confusion, there is a certain sound. Praise God. Can you say amen? Thank God for that certain sound. Everybody say certain sound. Certain sound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a certain sound. Now the reason why this piano and this organ and other instruments can play simultaneously is because there is in music a standard pitch. To those of you who know anything about music, you know that standard pitch is A440. That means that, that A, when it's in perfect tune, will vibrate at 440 cycles per second. If you've ever watched that piano tuner come in to tune your piano, 
He throws back the top of it and he has one of several instruments that becomes quite prominent in the tuning of that piano. And one of them is what he calls a tuning fork. It's a little metal two-pronged object that when he starts the tuning of that piano, he strikes it against a solid object, he holds it quickly to his ear, and he hears that standard pitch. Then he takes that wrench that he has, puts it on the first string A, and he goes one way or another on that string until he gets it to sounding just like the sound that he heard in his ear. And when he gets that one string tuned, he tunes all the other strings accordingly until he gets that piano in tune to standard pitch. Amen. But it all is dependent upon the little two-pronged tuning fork that he strikes, holds it to his ear, and hears that certain sound. Outside of Washington, D.C., outside of Phoenix, Arizona, there are some shortwave radio stations. And if you have the proper equipment that can tune into those shortwave radio stations, you can tune into them. And at various intervals, you can get the standard pitch as well as the standard time. So if you need something to tune to and get a certain sound, you tune into these shortwave radio stations, and all around the world it's the same. A440. Standard pitch is the same. Whether it be in India, whether it be in Germany, whether it be in the United States, everything can be tuned to when you take an accordion over into Africa and those instruments over there are tuned, you can play with those instruments because there is a standard pitch. Now, I know you've heard the story. Vance Havner tells it. Others have told it. But I want to tell it to you again about the old shepherd way up in the rugged mountains of northern Idaho when he was watching his sheep through the long winter months and not another human being was anywhere around. He was lonesome most of the time. But in order to occupy his time, he had a little radio set and a little old fiddle. And when he wasn't listening to the radio, he was playing that fiddle. When he wasn't playing the fiddle, he was listening to the radio. But one day, playing the fiddle kind of lost its impetus. It was out of tune. And he didn't have anything to tune it to. He sat down one day and decided to write a letter to the radio station that he often listened to, not ever expecting really to hear from them. He got a sense of satisfaction out of writing the letter. And he said to the radio station, he said, I'm away up here in the northern mountains of Idaho. And I don't have anything to keep me company but my little fiddle. My fiddle is out of tune and I don't have anything to tune it to. Would you mind sometime in your programming to sound me a good strong A? Well, as I stated, he didn't expect really to hear from them. But late one night, while he had his radio on, to his surprise, the announcer said, Old Timer, we got your letter. Get your fiddle out. We're about to give you an A. We want you to get that fiddle in tune. 
he grabbed his little fiddle, and for the longest while, that radio station sounded him the A440. Grabbed that little old fiddle, put it under his chin, and he wound up the first string. And when he got it in that pitch that he was hearing in his ear, he quickly turned the radio off, and he tuned the other three strings accordingly. And then he sat back with a smile on his face, and he played with perfect satisfaction. I don't know why there wasn't another human being to hear him, but he had a deep sense of satisfaction that at last his little old fiddle was in tune and he was able to play in standard pitch. Amen. Again, I say in this bewildered world, a world of confusion, we need above all else the sounding of a good, strong A. Hallelujah. We need that certain sound. Amen. Now, I'm going to make a confession. I've done it often, and I don't mind doing it again. Honest confession is good for the soul. But I've been raised in Pentecost. There's not anything that happens in Pentecostal services that ever would surprise me, because I have seen it from the start to the finish. Amen. And I like all the good things that I've seen. I know what a Pentecostal palate is. I slept on one many times and was awakened to the shouts of the saints as they paraded the aisles. And I thank God for my Pentecostal heritage. But there was a segment in my life when I was growing up and before I received the Holy Ghost that I was embarrassed to tell my companions and boys, friends at school, what church I went to. Because, you see, Pentecost wasn't popular. And especially our little old church building had a swayed back roof and was badly in need of paint and we didn't have enough money in those days to paint it. And the old benches were hard to sit on and the pot-bellied stove warmed you on your front side and froze you on your backside. That's about the way it was. We had service every night. Amen. And revival fires burned. But I could not tell my friends what church I went to because we were looked down on. And we were considered as being from the other side of the track. You can imagine, after having been filled with the Holy Ghost, and after coming into this great day that we're living in, how my chest swelled with pride when Pentecost moved from the back side of the tracks onto the front pages of the newspaper. And when we began to hit headlines, and photographers from Time magazine began to go into Pentecostal services and snap pictures of people worshiping. And it made news stories in Time and Life magazine. Oh, I was really feeling good. Saturday Evening Post years ago carried a story about Pentecostalism and gave us a great write-up. At last, we had come from the backside of the desert, so to speak, and we were now in the front pages of the newspaper. I really was feeling good. Oh, they called it glossolalia for speaking in tongues, and they called it charisma or charismatic for Pentecost. But back then, I was excited because at last, speaking with tongues was not a no-no. They were doing it in all churches and getting real excited about it. And I was really excited too. At last, we were getting somewhere. Back in those days, I began to go everywhere. 
to see it for myself as an observer. You know, in our city came what was called the FGBMF. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you after service. And I, I went to one of their meetings just to observe. I came away with an awe because it looked to me like they totally unrestrained worship God. And they could sing a simple chorus and tears would course down their cheeks. And they would break forth speaking with tongues and someone would interpret it just like that. And it looked like it was beautiful. But the thing that I couldn't reconcile was that in the midst of those precious things that I had known all of my life and was happy now that others were beginning to learn about it, I saw every sign of worldliness. Amen. I saw the painted face and they couldn't wait to get through with the tongues and interpretation and dismiss so they could get out and light up their cigarettes. And this I couldn't reconcile. I began to have some perplexed moments. Really, I did. Then the bankers and the bankers' wives and the lawyers and the lawyers' wives began to be filled with this experience called glossolalial and charismatic. But I still couldn't reconcile how that when they got it, they could continue on in their same churches and in their same worldliness. For back years ago, when my parents got it, they had to come out. They weren't wanted. Amen. And so I was a bit further perplexed. Then I was invited to the dedication of a large auditorium at Atlantic City, New Jersey, back about that time. And they wanted to get our conference back to Atlantic City, so we were invited, all expense paid, to come to the dedication of a new facility there. And when they had their banquet, they set us with other religious leaders. And as we sat around that table, we arrived late, my wife and I, and so we were seated last, and we hadn't seen the others come in. We were all engrossed in talking about the great things of God, the move of God, glossolalial, charismatic. And when finally our meal was finished, some of, of those that were talking the loudest and giving the most wonderful glowing testimonies lit up a cigar and a pipe. And the wife of one of them excused herself from the table. And when she walked away, she walked away in a fashionable pantsuit. No, I again could not reconcile this beautiful experience with those things that all of my life I had been taught did not belong one in the same. There had to be some kind of a drawing of the line. Then there fell into my hands a book that was authored by a man whose last name was the same as Daniel Boone. And that book was an exciting book, especially since he uh, had got his prayer language. That's what he called it his prayer language. And he had come out from a church where in Nashville there's 120 of them in the one city and a college that teaches that the days of miracles are over and that speaking in tongues is almost of the devil. And here he had come out and gotten his prayer language. I was really, really excited. What's this going to do to us? And then as I continued to read, I read where he said, I'm going to pray and get the will of God. Which movie? I'm supposed to play in and which role, which leading role I should take. And then it shook me 
How am I going to tell our young people that here is a, a man that's got the Holy Ghost and going to continue in the entertaining world seeking God's will for his life when we have taught all of our young people that they cannot participate in these things? I was really, really perplexed about all of this. And then I went to that World Pentecostal Conference. Oh, it was Trinitarian-sponsored, and they were there from all over the world. There was a band from Sweden. They had come all the way over here to these United States to participate in that World Pentecostal Conference. And they played beautifully. But when the service was over and we all went across the street to the restaurant, all of them ordered Schlitz beer. Again, I was shaken. But in that same conference, there was a man from Korea who got up and said he had 13,000 people filled with the Holy Ghost in his area and that he had to have six consecutive services on Sunday to get them all into a service. He didn't have a building big enough to get them all into it. And then another man from Wales told about a service in his church where there were about 2,000 people attending and then before the service began they thought something was wrong with the PA system for it sounded like wind blowing in the building. They checked it all out, but there wasn't anything wrong with the PA system. They finally decided that it was like the wind of Pentecost. And in that service, in one hour's time, they began to come in off of the street and they totaled up 1,800 that received glossolalia, speaking with tongues, in one hour's time in that service. When I began to put all of these things together, the glossolalia, the charismatics, and I want to say right here and now that I appreciate anything that anybody gets from God. Really, I do. It's a step in the right direction. Amen. But when I begin to sum all of these things up, I begin to have some thoughts. I'm going to tell you what my thoughts were. I begin to think maybe it's not so important. Maybe holiness is really just something we should lay aside. And Jesus' name, baptism, maybe we have been too narrow about it all. And with those thoughts coming to me, for we had never had 1,800 in one hour's time get the Holy Ghost. We didn't have 13,000 people in any area that had to have six consecutive services. We didn't have all of these things sweeping our churches at that moment, at that time. Maybe we are a bit too narrow. And I begin to feel like that old shepherd way up in the northern mountains of Idaho. My fiddle is out of tune. And I desperately needed something to tune to. Hallelujah. I really needed to hear that certain sound. Hallelujah. So one day I went into that closet, as it were, and I shut the door. I was alone. And I looked up with tears drenching my face. I said, oh God, I've loved this message. I've stood for it. But I'm beginning to wonder if it really makes all that much difference. It looks like that the crowds are going 
the other way and after all they're getting something from you I've seen them speak with tongues I've heard the gifts in operation I can't really reconcile how the worldliness is there maybe God I just need to change and join with them but then like a lightning bolt from heaven that good strong A Hallelujah. That good, certain sound began to hit my ears. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, is Jesus' name, baptism, really, really all that important? And it came just directly from heaven. There is none other name. none other name given under heaven among men whereby ye must be saved hallelujah yeah none other name I said Lord when I was growing up my parents wouldn't even give me a dime to go to the show even before I got the Holy Ghost because they said son if we give you money to go we might as well go ourselves so I didn't go but now here was a man popular around the world had his prayer language that was not only going but he was taking the leading roles and playing in them I said God is this the direction we need and then from heaven it came Come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God's here and God's moving and no doubt God wants to speak to us. Amen. Praise God. But I've got a few more things I want to say to you tonight. And let's hold. Let's hold that tremendous move of God. Amen. That's going on. Amen. I believe that we have the miraculous right here in our midst. Amen. Can we lift our hands and worship Him? Hallelujah! 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 Thank God! Thank God! Thank God! Amen! Amen! Hallelujah! 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 Amen! About that time, I received a letter from our dear sister Morgan, wife of our late general superintendent. And I've read this many times, but I won't include it again tonight. 
She said, yesterday I received the February issue of Gospel Tidings. Thank you for your article. Only last week, I was handed a copy of Pat Boone's book, A New Song. Word of his experience has created a good deal of excitement around here. And the book is being passed from one to another and finally reached me for a comment. At first, there was a sadness grip my heart that a popular personage could make a much greater impression than many everyday type of Pentecostal folk. Then a holy indignation, in parentheses, she says, I hope it is holy, rose up within me in defense of truth. I have heard our own ministers preach that if we didn't mend our ways, God would turn from us to these people. This to me is an amazing statement in light of the fact we are the only people left who are holding fast to all the doctrine of truth. From the beginning, the church has had backsliders and those who chafe because of the narrow way. So it is easy for these to reach for a prominent image to follow as an excuse to leave us. Throughout the years of Brother Morgan's ministry, when the foundation of our work seemed to be threatened by these so-called moves of God, we always took a refresher course through the book of Acts. There we found affirmation to our beliefs and renewed faith to preach these convictions until Jesus comes. And as I finished reading that letter, it dawned on me that the book of Acts begins with a letter A. So you need something to get in tune with. Take a refresher course in the book of Acts. That's the standard pitch for we Pentecostals today. If you're not tuned to the book of Acts, you're out of tune. Amen. Hey, I believe you're sitting a little looser. in a while in this bewildered age with so many things happening and so many directions that people are going in I sit down and take my refresher course in the book of Acts hallelujah hallelujah praise God amen Acts the second chapter and the 36th verse said this was Peter's words therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And it was about that time that somebody said, Men and brethren, what must we do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Then you read over in the next chapter. The man that was born lame, lying by the gate. Peter and John going up to the temple. He begged for alms. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name 
rise and walk. His feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he rose and he walked and he ran and he leaped into the temple. Amen. And then the scripture said, all the people ran together in the porch greatly wondering. And Peter said, why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. Amen. It's his name through faith in his name that hath made this man strong. Hallelujah. There is none other name. Amen. By what power or by what name have you done this? They were questioned. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot of music playing, but it's all off-centered. It's all off-key. Amen. Don't be confused by all the many beautiful grace notes. Amen. If you've got a sensitive ear, you're going to hear some tones that are not true. Amen. Hallelujah. But the thing that thrills me is that out of the hungry hearts that are receiving something from God, the Holy Ghost experience is given to lead and God into all truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. As you continue your refresher course in the book of Acts, you're going to find the apostles imprisoned and the angels delivering them. Stephen preaching and being stoned. Stoned but looking up and saying, I see Jesus. Hallelujah. The revival in Samaria. And Philip taken down to the desert place from that great revival, not knowing just what he was going to do there. But about that time, the chariot came rolling along, bearing the Ethiopian eunuch. And of all things, he was reading out of the scrolls. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Dumb opened not he his mouth. Philip was told to go join himself to that chariot. And he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, How can I except somebody help me? Amen. Some folks can't see Jesus' baptism in Acts 2.38, but Philip saw it in Isaiah. Hallelujah. Praise God. For he began at that same scripture and began to preach unto him Jesus. Hallelujah. And before long, it was a eunuch that was saying, here's some water. What does hinder me from being baptized? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Then you'll read over there in about the 10th chapter. And Cornelius, by some folks' standards, was a great Christian. I say by some folks' standards, he was all right. Amen. By some folks' standards, he had all he needed. Because when you read the resume of Cornelius, you're going to read some beautiful traits. He was a devout man. He did fear God. He gave alms to God always. And he prayed to God always. He was playing, but he wasn't quite in tune. Amen. Hallelujah. God had a tuner over on the housetop getting him all ready to go do a good tune-up job. Hallelujah. Peter, there's three men at the door. You go down and you go with them. Doubting nothing. Hallelujah. And Peter went down to Cornelius' household and the house was filled with people. And Peter began his message by saying, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Amen. And before he finished, 
the Holy Ghost fell. The Holy Ghost fell. Hallelujah. A good charismatic revival was on until Peter bluntly commanded them to do something. Amen. What? Be baptized in the name. Hallelujah. And Cornelius and all of his household was baptized in the name, in the name of Jesus. Now, if you thought Cornelius was all right, what would you think about Apollos? Apollos. Well, you, you read the resume of Apollos, and it, it's greater than Cornelius's. He was an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. And this is what's fooling a lot of Pentecostal folks. Well, they're using scriptures. They're using scriptures. Well, Apollos was mighty in the scriptures and even instructed in the way of the Lord. And more than that, he was fervent in the spirit and he was also a diligent teacher. Amen. And that's some of the Resumes that some of these folks have that sometimes puts we Pentecostals to shame. I wish I had some of these beautiful traits. Amen. Amen. But you can add another line with all of his eloquence, with his being mighty in the scripture, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in the spirit, a diligent teacher. Add one more statement. He was out of tune. Hallelujah. But he made a mistake by speaking in a certain area where there wasn't just one tuner, there was two. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. And Priscilla turned to Aquila. You know, tuners have sensitive ears. And Priscilla turned to Aquila and said, this music is hurting my ears. He's playing off key. Amen. And Aquila said, well, I was thinking the same thing. Shh, be quiet. We don't want to disturb the folks around us. They don't know it. And it sounds like great music to them. But Priscilla and Aquila couldn't wait until the service was over. Now watch them as they get quickly out of their seats and they go running down the aisle with their tuning forks in their hand, hitting against of the word of God solidly holding it to their ear and getting down to where Apollos was and says come on over here we're going to tune you up we're going to expound the word of God more perfect hallelujah more perfect more perfect more perfect Ooh, hallelujah hallelujah praise God Amen. Could I have somebody on the piano and somebody on the organ? And where is that accord? Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I'm going to show you something. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I won't hate. Amen. Hey, real solid. Real solid. That's A, folks. That's A. Woo! Hallelujah. Sounds kind of pleasing to the ear, doesn't it? Amen. 
But I want them to keep playing today, just like you are. Amen. I'm going to show you where Cornelius was. I'm going to move up just one half step above them. Amen. Just a smidgen. Just a little bit. How long would you like to hear that? Until Peter came down and said, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Glory. Now keep hitting your aid. If you don't mind, I'm going to show you where Apollos was. I'm going to move back or lower just one half step. Amen. Just a little smidgen. It, it wouldn't seem like it would make all that much difference. Amen. charismatics that are getting something from God, all of those 13,000 over there in Seoul, Korea, all of those 1,800 in Wales that receive the Holy Ghost in one hour's time, all they need to do is just turn the key, one good turn, and they would receive a revelation of Jesus' name. God in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Jesus, there's power to set you free. This victory over sin, disease, and sickness, power to walk and liberty. Everybody standing in his wonder. Folks, we have a tremendous responsibility. We're the tuners. We have to get this message out. But we don't have anything to take our tuck our heads about when they have the, those big FGBMF meetings in our city and the crowds flock. Let me tell you something. In Nashville, Tennessee, there's a charismatic church that the other day their building burned and they erected a tent and in the hot sun on a Sunday morning there was over 600 people that came to sit in that tent 
If that wouldn't shake you, we didn't have 600 that morning. But that didn't shake my faith one bit. Because I knew that they weren't quite in tune. And that I knew the power that's in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God. Over sin, disease, and sickness. Power to walk in liberty through faith and his wonder. Amen. Maybe you too have wondered just why. Why does it seem that glossolalial and charismatic is sweeping our land? And it's going further than that. It's attracting people who do not want leadership. I could tell you some things that happened in our area that would make you shudder. Amen. Prior to our going back to Nashville, Tennessee, some folks, some good folks, listened to so many of those charismatic tapes until they left the church to form their own prayer meeting without a pastor. Amen. Without a leader. It's encroaching in upon us. For our people are looking to see that maybe big things are happening, but they're not seeing that he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. In a deeper life meeting in the state of Washington, I've told this many times, we had to have the night services in one of the denominational churches because our church there wasn't big enough for the crowd. And many of those people that belonged to that church came to the services. And on the last night, after a mighty move of God in each service, several of the men came down to talk with some of our ministers. One of those men was an evangelist with that denomination. And he told our minister, he said several weeks ago in this building, there was a prayer meeting going on in one of the rooms and the Holy Ghost fell. About 20 received the experience of speaking with tongues. And he said, while it was going on, a spirit of prophecy came over me. He said, I didn't know what I was doing, but I began to speak out something. And I didn't know what it all meant. For in and among the things that I was saying, I found myself saying, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. And he said, I've wondered all these weeks what it was meant by the fact that they're coming until this service tonight. You're here. You're here. You're here. You're here. And folks, we are here. We are here. We're Jesus' day. One God. Tongue-talking. Holiness people that don't mind it because one of these days when everybody else with a lesser truth is going to be left behind. He's coming back for a people that's called by his name. Uh. Amen. Somebody ought to run to this altar. You've been in doubt. You've wondered about your experience. You don't have the Holy Ghost. You haven't been baptized in his name. This is your night. 
There's power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name. Would you push your way out into the aisle? Would you make your way down here? Would you let us pray with you as we sing the chorus again? In the name of Jesus, there's power to set you free. Keep on coming. Yes,